Oh, shit! Born with a heart full of neutrality. Their currency is blood. I hear music. Their music human screams. That's how I receive it, too. What makes a man turn neutral? I taped over my Luther Vandross mix. My goodness, what singing group is that? Edible music. I tried to taste it. But it did not work. The gangbang? Just close your eyes, wave your hands side to side, and you'll be just fine. Trust me, you'll fit right in. Heyo, this is Ducky here to welcome you to Genre Neutral, the only podcast dedicated to prospecting gems from the vast and mystical frontier we call music. From Brooklyn bass to Afro-punk, we absorb sound and reverberate only the dopest. Back to you, the listener. If you were sitting so still, I thought you were just again. <laughs> no, I was just waiting, patiently, being patient. Oh, impressive, you definitely have kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have mastered the art of moving so slowly. I visible yeah perfect well that's a, I mean, that's a guardians reference i don't feel like you got it i didn't I was, oh yeah that's ah! Batista's character ah, yeah Batiste. yeah anyways man trying, trying what do you think of marvel are you been watching like uh wandavision and loki and stuff like that yeah shit's awesome. yeah I, I don't miss this shit yeah <laughs> man i so uh, that's a funny story. Uh, yes, I've been watching all the Disney Plus shows. I'm super caught up. I can't wait for What If. Um, I heard that Hawkeye and Miss Marvel are both premiering before the end of the year, too. And we still have three more movies hitting theaters before the end of the year. So Marvel is making up for not having anything in 2020 like a motherfucker. But um, we uh, we had bought tickets for opening weekend for Black Widow, right? And I bought four. Um, my girlfriend was not going to go because we had too much stuff to do, but she understands how I am with Marvel. And if I don't go see this movie, I'm going to start fucking itching and, and craving and being an asshole. So it's like a caffeine addiction, um, cigarettes or something. Um, so bought tickets for Friday night at 8:45. My brother was going to go with me and our friend, uh, my brother-in-law and his, and my girlfriend's sister. And we show up at the theater. We got some time to kill. So we go over by the arcade area and I, and they start they go to play a game and i pull out my phone to pull up the tickets and i had bought tickets for the thursday early bird showings of, at 8 45 instead of the friday showings. oh no so um yeah fucked up I, was, I, I, I looked i looked at them like oh my fucking and the next day we were moving so I, there was no like going we'll just go tomorrow the next showing wasn't for like 45 more minutes and they only had front row and i don't do front row oh. uh I'm not that dedicated. If it was Endgame or something like that, or like a big, you know, event film, I probably would have just taken the front row. But not doing that for, you know, a Black Widow. I'm gonna get comfortable. So they get, they were cool enough to give me vouchers, and then I lost them in the move. I have no idea where they're at. I don't have the vouchers anymore, so I paid for a movie I'm not gonna get to see. So I, I went ahead and just bought it on Disney Plus and invited people over and bought pizza and had a house party. Um, so you did end up watching it. Uh, we did, yeah. I did yeah. watch it. It's just like I feel, I feel like, I feel like I should have my fucking fan, my fan card revoked because I watched it on TV instead of uh, in the theater. I didn't yeah. like do it the right way, and I just yeah. don't feel good about it. It was <laughs> um, a good but, one though. It was not bad. It was yeah. pretty good. It's definitely not top ten Marvel to me, but it's you know probably. <laughs> I thought it was no, better than no... Captain Marvel at least. So. Oh, that's relief. Did you? I don't, I don't know that I did. 
I don't know. I like the more buddy, the buddy aspect where it was more a family. It was like a family story, but from a weird angle, kind of. I I do tend to gravitate toward the stories taking place more on Earth. Like they're more grounded Earth stories, like Captain America, particularly Winter Soldier, Civil War are probably my, Winter Soldier's for sure my number one favorite. Um, They have not beat that movie yet. Black Widow Widow did a lot of things that Winter Soldier did. It it felt kind of like, let's do Winter Soldier, but with Black Widow in the lead. It, there was many scenes, and I, some of that, some of that was intentional because of Taskmaster. Like Taskmaster's whole thing is that he's mimicking everybody else. So a lot of the things that he did in the movie were things you've seen in other movies that was intentional because of the way the character is. But I don't, I don't need to yeah. see an, a, another fucking projectile go, bounce off the ground, go under a car, and blow the car up into the air. Like I've, I, oh, I, I saw that in Winter. That was in Winter Soldier, and it was better. <laughs> like, I no, I didn't even it think about it like that. That's a, that's a great perspective, because yeah, I, I just saw it as entertaining. But yeah, if you're looking for some new content, it really like I saw it as yeah, very much like a recycling of the old trash. It was like that Always Sunny episode that gang recycles their garbage, where it was definitely newish, but they just use a lot of the old jokes and all this. And I mean, yeah. you know, that was in the show, but yeah. And, and and I don't expect every one of the movies to be like super original, but you know, Black Widow to Captain America is like the aesthetic is already going to be similar well do you so. know anything about uh, the comic books at all yeah yeah I, like i'm not i'm not super up to date on any storylines post like early 2000s but i do stay abreast of it enough to like know what has happened what do you know like, about i knew sam wilson had become fat I, I'm familiar with what, yeah, the House of M. That's what. That's when she. Uh, that's when she says no more mutants and depletes the population so of. My my down. theory is they're gonna reverse that and she's gonna create mutants in the Marvel verse instead. That's my theory. I have no idea. But instead of killing all the mutants no, in the House of M, they're gonna create all the mutants. She's gonna create them. them. She's gonna bring in the X Men into our universe. That's my theory. Anyways, just want to get I that think, on record. I read an interesting theory. I think that's not bad. I think that. My theory is that the snap already did that. You know how they keep talking about like I can see that. how uh, how powerful the snap was. Nobody has ever felt a charge like that ever. It just disintegrated half of life in the universe. Like it's yeah. the biggest, it's the biggest epicenter of power, and it happened on Earth. So like the people that got blipped away got built, got blipped away. But maybe the people that got left got like. Like maybe I I think that the genes already exist. I think what they have set up with WandaVision is that the genes were already there. That's why she has the natural ability to do the magic that she does. The stone broke it out. And because the stone broke it out, you put all six stones together and cause like that fucking big wave of energy who anybody else with a gene like that, which would be the X gene, is going to unlock some powers too. So I think they'll mix like the origin of how inhumans get their powers with mutants being like they're already born with it. It's just not unlocked until something triggered it. Now that it's been triggered, people will start to be born. Eternals might have a lot to do with planting some genes in the human race. So that Eternals comes out this year, I think in November. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Yeah, Eternals is is November and Spider-Man is December. And Shang-Chi is November. I'm the most excited for Shang-Chi. Really? Oh, yeah, that's gonna be cool. 
am not. I don't yeah, know anything about. I've never heard of that character though. But yeah, it looks like a cool ass movie. I, I was not a fan of the character, but like I'm not going to turn down a MCU kung fu. Film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, no, that's a good point. Just the idea of a kung fu movie set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the most appealing thing. Oh yeah. That's true. It will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that Ryan, one. Listen to some Wu Tang or something. We good. Fuck yeah. <laughs> they should have that on the soundtrack. Or they? They better. Fuck. <laughs> I would have to say we picked up perfectly where we left off. I mean, we stopped. You could blend uh, them. You could just yeah. run them into each other. Exactly. Marvel yeah. part to Marvel movies coming up. So before we went down that fun rabbit hole, you uh, <laughs> mentioned uh, <laughs> back to music. Uh, you mentioned Seattle having a very unique sound. So we were hoping you could elaborate more on that. And I would love to know how and when you got into the Seattle music scene and what inspired you to get involved. Okay. Uh, Well, I think it's unique because we... We're one of those locations that takes a little bit of everything. And like there's no there's no there's no significant I don't feel like there's any significant uh East Coast, West Coast, down south, Midwest influence. Like every everybody that I've ever talked to who's in the Seattle scene is influenced by a different, you know, subgenre or region of hip hop. Some people make shit that sounds trappy and southern and some people make shit that sounds fucking boom bap and east coast some people got Cynthia's ass bassy fucking west coast vibes like it but they're but they always still sound like uniquely like northwest region like the topics that we're talking about are like a little different it's a little more progressive it's a little more um but people are willing to get a little more political it's just a, it's just kind of a melting pot of a bunch of all the different styles that that we grew up with. You know, people that grew up in LA are largely West Coast heads. They listen to West Coast hip hop. They're not they're they're not as I'm not saying they're not as a rule, but you know, they're on average, you talk to somebody who's from anywhere south of fucking Oregon and they're probably bumping too short in E40 more than they're bumping Wu-Tang and Jay-Z. And vice versa, if you, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in the thick of the Seattle area, it, it could be anything, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's, when I first heard Nima, when I first heard Unexpected Arrival, I thought for sure he was from Chicago. I thought for sure that he's a, he's a Midwest rapper. He's not, he's from here. Cool. Um, you know, I, that's, that, I think it's unique in that way. It's not like, I don't think that every single rapper out of here is there but the ones the ones that have uh, a style that are sounds familiar yet r- original are people like that i've talked about like Noby and, and macintosh like macintosh is very trappy but he's more lyrical than a lot of trap rappers are and he's like when he slows it down and doesn't doesn't go all up in his uh his character uh personality bag and just raps raps like he can get real deep and, and, and can go bar for bar with any lyricist that you would, you know, consider top tier. Um, but then he'll go into his fun bag and he will fucking just be goofy and have that almost almost mumbly, but still like you can hear what he's saying and it's like, wow, you're fucking, you're clearly a way better rapper than people that do this style. You know what I mean? Like, the guys that are famous for doing this style do not rap as well as you do when you're doing this style. So, like, 
we're, I think that the, the good rappers out here have a unique ability to take a sound from anywhere else in the fucking country that has pop, been popularized in hip hop and turn it into a, 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 an original Seattle sound. In I wanted to ask happened. a follow-up on that real quick. So I, I guess sure. how I was taking that question is outside of hip-hop. Like, when I think of Too Short and E-40, I think of funk music. And when I think of, like, Pete Rock or someone from the East Coast, I might think of, like, more jazz, like a, a Tribe Called Quest, more jazz influences or something like that. So, like, what outside of hip-hop do you think is, like, a big influence that all Seattle kids are probably growing up with? You know what I'm saying? I don't think there is one. There is a specific sound that all Seattle kids or all uh, you know hip hop artists in the area are growing up on. I think that I think that a large majority of them grew up on hip hop. You know, hip hop's forty years old now. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not a young genre anymore. So like, I don't think that people who are involved in hip-hop necessarily were influenced by other genres when they started wanting to rap. I think that they very easily were just influenced by rap because that's what they grew up listening to. When rap was younger, you probably, like, I grew up listening to Michael Jackson and yeah, and, and uh, uh, Marvin Gaye and, um, and old, uh, like, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I grew up listening to. So that's the kind of stuff that just it influenced my ear like i'm drawn to sample shit because i like old music so when i hear a sample that i'm like i know that sample i don't i don't necessarily like know exactly what it's from but i've heard that fucking song and that makes me like this beat a lot you know like if i and if i'm talking if i'm talking to a producer about doing a, a beat for me that i have like I'll, I'll have ideas about like i want this song sampled um i want it to sound like this and because I'm because I'm old, I'm 37, so I'm a little bit older, and I'm influenced by things that were around before hip hop. But the younger generation of hip hop artists aren't necessarily maybe like maybe like Blink 182 type stuff, like punk rock that was popular in the early 2000s. It's like the Machine Gun Kelly. It's like Machine Gun Kelly. You know what I mean? Like he's a really good rapper, but all of a sudden he's a, a fucking rock star, and he's making a punk album, and it sounds like some fucking Blink 182 type shit. Like he very clearly. Everybody loves that album. I haven't even listened to that album because I kind of hate it when rappers like get famous for rapping in that cultural space and then switch to some right. non-hip-hop shit. It, 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 it kind of bothers me. It almost feels kind of culture-ish. Like you used, you used a platform. It's a lot easier to get a beat and rap on it than it is to put a band together and, and rehearse four times a week and write uh rock songs yeah. yeah unless you unless you personally play fucking instruments like more than one yeah. so you know i mean getting off topic but um like artists that do that kind of thing just i don't like post malone because i feel like he just uses hip-hop as an easy way to get rich and famous i don't think that he's actually for the culture or about the culture and you know as a, it, it sound it can sound kind of superficial as a white guy saying i totally agree white, a white rapper you know what i mean yeah. but i I grew up on it and on the culture and I love the culture and I, I've, I've always felt like I take steps to make sure that other MCs know that I'm, I'm here for the culture. I've never, ever given anybody the interpretation that I'm here for money. Um, ever. I'm here because I like to rap and I like the culture and I like what it represents and, and what it can do uh, socially. And uh, I support the message that, you know, 
hip hop ring. Um, I'm going to jump back on the topic. Obviously, I think that grunge is going to play a part in influence of Seattle rappers, particularly white ones, which let's be really real. It's yeah. the Northwest. There's a lot of fucking white boys doing rap music down here. Um, sure. A lot of them. And most of them probably took influ- were influenced in some way by Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Candlebox, fucking... Uh, I remember listening to a band called, I think, Sad Happy, or maybe they had an album called Sad Happy. Can't remember. I remember the tape. Though. Mom had the tape, and I bumped the fuck out of it. Fucking love it. But just that kind of era of Seattle grunge probably plays a part in a lot of it. But I think a lot. I think more often than not, I think you know, at at, at this point, forty years into the tenure of hip hop, I think that m- most of the people doing hip hop were probably influenced more by other rappers than they were by other forms of music. Yeah, because sure. at this point, hip hop has existed their entire life. Right. Hip hop technically has existed my entire life, except it was like super fucking underground when yeah, I was. Coming, so. well, and it took and like a while. Like you said about Noby, like his dad was a producer, like a, a radio. Or he's something? a he's a rapper. Yeah. A rapper. Yeah. And, so... and and now he runs a now he runs a media company called Razor Tongue Media, blog and and, and uh, you know reviews and stuff like that. It's all Northwest based. And he, he, his son is a second generation uh, Northwest MC. He's the only one that I know. I guess, I guess Vitamin D's son does uh, does music as well. He's an MC as well. I, but I'm not familiar with him, so I can't speak to it. But Group E or no. E40's son does music. Who? Group E. Group E. Group E is E40's son. E40's son, yeah. I did not know that. I've known about Group E for fucking years. He's on the track. It's all bad when he's six years old. So that's a great. I've definitely track. heard him rapping. I remember thinking Drupy is fucking tight. I don't think that uh, I knew at all that he was related to before, though. That's interesting. And then uh, uh, Prince Paul has a son that's awesome. Oh, DJ P for real. He's a DJ for Lil Uzi Vert right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but DJ P for real is a pretty good, really, really great, actually, really great DJ. Corey Guns is Peter Guns' son. Nice. He's had more. Peter he's Guns. had more. He's had more success than his dad did. His dad has had one fucking song. People knew. Yeah, deja vu. Deja, I fucking love that song. Oh yeah. Oh man, I used to drive around in a same. Yeah. Oh, that's, for sure. That song's a cut, man. I, I've always, I've always kind of been a little salty that they didn't do more. Because they, like, for I sure. like, like, I love that song. That song is fucking that's great. Like, I miss Magoo from Timberland and Magoo, man. I love. That I think guy. Magoo is highly underrated. I've heard Magoo, sure. I've heard people. I've heard people say Magoo is one of the worst rappers they've ever heard, and I think they're fucking. I was. I'm like, have you heard Crunchy Black? Like, <laughs> there are by far worse rappers than Magoo. Yeah, there's 100% worse rappers than Magoo. Either of the Yin Yang Twins are a worse rapper than Magoo. In my opinion, Magoo was the lyrical highlight of Timberland and Magoo songs. For sure. I, I hated that he wouldn't do a solo album. It's Timberland. He's on rec- He's on. He's in interviews saying that uh, he would. He wouldn't do a solo album if he's not doing a record with Timbaland. He's not doing a record. I'm like, why? What? Why? Why won't you just get some Timbaland beats? Because he's your buddy, dude. If I had yeah. access to Timbaland beats, you could not stop me from doing a solo record. Right. Well, you should take his master class. Timbaland has Timbaland's- a master- Oh, no, sorry. he's gonna teach me how to make my own beats. I don't want my own beats. I want Timbaland oh, yeah. beats. 
You, that's true. That is not the same thing. Is there a master class for how to get Timbaland beats on a fucking, <laughs> you know, uh, broke rapper budget? I bet not. That was a good explanation. <laughs> He's going to teach yeah. me how to make. I need that beat. master class. <laughs> you find me that master class. That's the master class I'll take. Oh, fuck. Does Nobi's dad have a rapper name? Can I look him up? Yeah. He went by Sal Sosa. Uh, I don't know how much he has done solo. Him and Nobi actually were a group prior to Nobi starting to do his solo stuff called Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone and Wolf uh, they. Cub? Lone Wolf and Cub. Cub. Yeah. That um, it, it is an old comic. It's a it's in manga. Yeah, about but, a. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. About a samurai. About a, yeah, yeah. about a samurai. Um, but they put out they put out a few videos and a, some projects. I've actually I've I just I got a song with Shao that uh, still missing a couple of verses. So it's not like it's it's on one of the upcoming projects. But he, he jumped on something. Him and Nobi got on the song. He's he's he, there. He's good. Nobi's just like he's something special. Like I would never say anything to take away from Shao at all. But there's something about just the way Nobi does what he does that is very clearly something special yeah i want that well, kid to succeed regardless so his father was a wonderful influence he probably gave uh, him all for sure for sure knowledge. yeah and skill and 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 knowing knowing his dad i'm sure that it was nothing but support in that household there was never like there, like i had to have those conversations like why would you want to do this kind of music like because this is the kind of music that has spoken to me and and, and has caught me. like I, it's not my fault i didn't fucking pick it you know what yeah. i mean like i it's it's you know i didn't i didn't wake up one morning and go you know i'm tired of guitars let me let me hear some more 808s like it's not how it works that's the music that i heard it and i went this is it this is the yeah. one this is this is what i'm and and i think i've i think i've proven that like i'm dedicated like <laughs> 37 now 37 now and i'm pretty well versed in you know the history of of the art form and the music and you know i take it very seriously I, like clearly it wasn't a fad it wasn't and my i had to have those conversations with my dad i'm sure he didn't he just was like i want to try rapping and his dad was probably like well i got a mic let's go yeah let's do this. sure i got a studio yeah let's go yeah better not suck <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna call you out yeah 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 Straight got called uh, out plenty of times for sure. yeah no i'm sure I, I i'd be willing to bet his uh his his uh musical journey was was nothing but love and support and uh reinforcement you were saying you so ever since you heard hip-hop it kind of just hit you and you you ran with it i mean is can you pinpoint a specific concert that really like stood out to you as like before you really knew what hip-hop was you were like holy shit this is not a not a concert, but um, Coolio Gangsta's Paradise and uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony first of the month were the two songs that I can remember from an early age. Gangsta's Paradise was like the crossover hit that got me paying attention, and I had heard rap prior. It's not like I hadn't heard it. Uh, I was an MTV baby, so I had seen the videos. I had heard the music. I, I, I remember seeing like House of Pain videos and stuff. Just that the older, the older, early, like late 80s, early 80s style of hip hop never, never caught me. It wasn't until like that early 90s sound like the Rakim influence started being visible in other artists. Like Rakim was the first one to like complicate the rhyme schemes and, and patterns and stuff like that. And it took a few more years before the rappers who were just coming up during that time 
started making their own ways. At you know when Rakim first came out, people like Nas and Jay Z were still on the block. They were they were probably freestyling and ciphers and stuff, but they weren't like in the studios. And then Rakim does what he does, and real makes everybody realize like it doesn't have to be some fucking nursery rhyme shit. And and they and take it further. Coolio was like probably the one that uh, that that song. And I rem- and I do remember hearing Fantastic Voyage even before Gangsta's Paradise and being a fan of it. But then Gangsta's Paradise was like, this is probably my favorite song I've ever heard in my life. And then it wasn't much longer that uh, Bones' first of the month came out, and then right after that was Crossroads, and that was like the seal that that sealed the deal i was like oh, this is it but i'm still a bone like i was a hardcore bone thousand harmony fan i was very i'm i'm not i'm not the first person to jump on uh waves i'm 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 always late i'm always late because i don't love change and it's the same like there's lots of like newer rappers that five years ago i would have been like they suck they're mumbling they're like these beats are all fucking simple and boring and now it's like and now i'm now that i've like sat with it longer and i've talked to kids who are fucking fans of that kind of stuff and figured out kind of heard why they like it and got different perspectives now it's like migos is tight like i can listen to a migos album it they they're not the, they're not the best lyricists that you're ever going to hear they're no jay-z they're no nas they're no m but they make fun shit. They make fun boppy shit. They say some funny fucking shit sometimes. Two Chains took me forever to be on board with Two Chains, and now when Two Chains <laughs> drops an album, I'm checking for it. Oh, I want to sure. hear it Hello. because he's fucking clever. He's funny, and it took people telling me over and over again that I'm wrong. Listen to more Two Chains when I would say Two Chains isn't good. Shout out Don James and fucking John Crown. Fuck you both. Uh, I check for that shit now. Like, that's their fault. So, like, early, what caught me the most was West Coast vibes, but then Midwest vibes caught me the most. And I think I think for a lot of younger, especially, like, white suburban kids, uh, that double-time syllable chop shit is really appealing. It, you know, you're not, I wasn't quite old enough to understand the complexities of the lyricism. So all I'm hearing is the voice as an instrument. And when I hear Crazy Bone harmonizing in double time raps over a fucking really dope beat because DJ Unique was the fucking shit at that time, uh, that's the kind of shit that catches my, that caught my ear. It was melodic. It uh, it sounded it just sounded unique and original. And the shit they were talking about was off the wall and zany, but it was accessible. It wasn't like you had to be from the hood to understand what they're talking about. So for a long time, I was very Midwest. Like Midwest music was, Midwest hip hop was what I was what I was checking for. And then I don't know when it was, but I, I know like Nas is my favorite rapper, but I didn't become a Nas fan until he put out Stillmatic. That's really? wow. that's five records in, and then and then one mic comes out, and I'm like, this song is the greatest song of all time. <laughs> Who is this man? And then I find out that he's had four fucking albums and one of them is considered the greatest rap album of all time. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Now, now I'm primarily an East Coast. The difference is though, at that point, I wouldn't give other region stuff mm. even like enough time to know if I liked it or not. And now I'll listen to everything. I'm, I'm real big on loading up my 
my play queue with all new releases on every Friday and listening to that queue until the next Friday. I don't do like singles and shuffle. I do albums. I, yeah. I equate I equate them to a mosaic painting. Like y'all can go y'all can go listen to the dots all you want. I want to see the full picture. I want to know like what this person's life is like. What the what you know where their influences lie. What other kind of things they're going to talk about. And plus, I think you I think you really get to know if like a rapper is like if they have the ability to show some longevity by listening to an album. If you just if if, it, if I'm just getting singles all the time, I like that's cool you can do the style that's popular right now i want to hear an album though i think cardi b is tight she's in she's interesting because she's like a single heavy artist she she makes her money based on singles and hits but, but her albums show diversity like her albums really do like show that she has an ear on uh different different genres and different cultural uh influences and and she really can fucking rap she can really like put bars together um you just wouldn't know it necessarily from her fucking singles because oh, she's yeah. trying to get paid. Um, well, sure. speaking of that, I'm glad you brought up Midwest hip hop because I think Seattle's hip hop scene was definitely heavily influenced by the up and coming Midwest rappers of like the 2000s and such, like Atmosphere, Brother Ali, all that mm -hmm. shit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I wanted to bring that up. So, I'm glad. yeah, it's funny. It's funny because there's there's two types of Midwest. Like when you think Midwest, because you, you can think of the rhyme sayers Midwest. It obviously is Midwest, but then it's there's the whole Chicago, like right, gangster true. rap Midwest, like Twista and fucking Crucial Conflict and Do or Die. Uh, I remember I remember being real big into Cuckoo Cow. He only had like one big hit that my projects song, my projects. But it just like he's one of those guys with that unique with those unique voices. Um, PD Pablo is not fucking Midwest, but it's the kind of the same kind of thing. Like not incredible lyricist, but charismatic on the mic. Yeah. They just have a personality that you can gravitate towards. PD Pablo said some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard on fucking records. Like he sounded so dope doing it that you didn't care. Like he didn't even yeah. rhyme half the time. I feel like. And no, he just took it off. I'll, threw it over I'm still going to take. I'm still going to do that every fucking time that song comes on. Ah. <laughs> be in the workplace and shit listen to that song with my shirt off spinning around my head yeah the rhyme sayers the rhyme sayers scene uh that was another one that i that i didn't get into till late like i went through a whole pretty late phase of now i'm only listening to backpack rappers backpack rappers i don't even yeah. know i think i feel like that's i feel like that's an offensive term at this point um Agreed. is it is it like politically conscious hip-hop or something i don't know open-minded i even hear rappers talk about like they hate the term cult like conscious hip-hop I, I think I think rappers have gotten to the point where it's like I'm just I'm I'm a, I, I do hip hop. Yeah. Well, yeah, but do you do like conscious backpack type stuff, or you like more street? Like I make hip hop. I make hip hop music. We're not a fucking monolith, right? Like we're not all the same. We don't have all the same experiences. It's still fucking hip hop, right? So, but the rhyme sayer like Grayskull signed to rhyme sayers. Old Dominion is my fucking uh, Seattle influence they're oh, my okay. they're my local they're my local influence i saw them performing and i only bring them up because we're talking like they signed to rhymes a couple a few of them signed to rhyme sayers um 
I remember being at Bumbershoot with my with my mom and my brother, and we're walking around, and my mom's kind of walking up ahead, and I'm walking a little bit behind. I'm trailing. I'm kind of like bored. I don't like any of the music that I'm hearing. And then off to the left, I hear fucking rap music coming, and I'm like, oh, what's this? And wander off, and it's fucking Smoke on stage performing songs from um, his first album, something about Bleed. I don't remember what it was exactly called. I'm sorry, Smoke. Um, but... He's rapping. He's got like a fucking gray bandana on his head. Then Sleep comes out, rapping songs off of uh, off of uh, another album. Right by Right by Candlelight. It was that was that album. Um, and I was fucking captivated. I lost my mom. The point of the story is like my mom kept walking. I wandered off and went to the fucking yeah. old Dominion and did not move until all the rap performances were done. Old Dominion had a whole set. And then Black Anger performed. Or were they gave me my first vinyl. I had the Black Anger vinyl, little white kid up at the front of the fucking stage. Give me that. They, they were my Seattle hip hop influence. Um, I'm, and I'm friends today with a lot of them. It's weird because when I first met Sleep, I had already met a couple of bigger rappers. I had opened for them. I sold weed to Jizza when I opened for him to Everett. And that, after that happened, I met Sleep from Old Dominion. And I was more starstruck and speechless when I met Sleep than I was when I was selling weed to a fucking member yeah. of Wu-Tang. Because like, Sleep didn't need your drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. It felt less was it a business? But <laughs> it was a show. Um, yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was, we were both performing at a show and, and he was there and uh, I, I talked to him and I felt like I sounded really fucking stupid. I was like, I, to be quite honest with you, man, I don't even know what to say. I'm a really big fan of He's like, I'm just, just a guy and I'm like, not to me like to me like to me you're like godly on the mic man i just don't like um and a lot of the old dominion members are like that and i'm good friends with a lot of them now and that's just cool to me that's like i mean it'd be like growing up in new york and just making friends with Nas. yeah i'm gonna bring up Nas a lot because he's my favorite of all time but um it's yeah fucking old dominion i i, I was very influenced by nema and unexpected arrival um and, and uh, to a, to a slightly lesser extent but still still there the whole uh full-time soldiers fts uh street level records with d sane I, I wasn't really listening to the seattle gangster rap scene like that but i do remember seeing them in the stores and being like if they can do it i can do it right, right. like clearly if they're from seattle they found a way to fucking get into a studio they found a way to press up records and have them sold in sam fucking goody and, and camelot records like if they can do that i can do that and when I put out my first record, I had my shit in Camelot. I had my shit in fucking Sam Goody. I went and I signed all of the assignment contracts. You know, nobody bought it from any of the stores. <laughs> like, nobody's going into those stores looking for it. You know what I mean? But hope maybe I sold a couple just by people bopping in and being like, hey, this looks interesting. So how old were you when you lost your mom at Bumpershoot and saw Old Dominion? <laughs> uh, when, I did, when that happened, I, I want to say I was somewhere between... I was around 14. It could have been anywhere from 13 to 16. I don't really remember. I'm bad with I'm bad with dates and ages. I was old. I was young enough to need to be there with my mom. So I probably wasn't 16. So if I was 16, I'd have been like, I'm not going to fucking shoot my mother. No. Um, yeah, I can. Uh, by that point, I was hopping buses to Seattle on a regular basis. But I didn't need my mom to be able to shoot at that point. So it was probably like somewhere around 14. Um. And I remember when I, it, yeah, it definitely was. Because when I was 17, I worked at Subway. 
right? I met my baby mama at Subway, my ex-wife. Um, but while I was working there, the sister of my manager managed another Subway in Linwood where an Old Dominion member had worked. I never found out exactly which one it is, but I have a sneaky fucking suspicion it was JFK, okay? So JFK, you're not gonna listen to this, but if you do listen to this, I think you worked at Subway. And I'm pretty sure you gave your manager a copy of the one album, not the one album, but the album titled One. And that's how I got my hands on it. And I was like, I know these songs because I saw them performed two years ago at Bumper Shoot. So pretty sure, pretty sure I was about 14 because I was around, you know, 16, 17 when I started working at, at uh, Subway. <laughs> um, nice. That was the deepest rabbit hole I think we've gone in all night. <laughs> I'd be rabbit holing, man. Sweet. Well, I mean, I think we nailed it again with like an hour of wonderful content from your awesome new car. From my awesome new car. Can't really see it from in here, but it's awesome. I can tell that that dual cab in the back is roomy enough for plenty of kids. Right? Thank you once again. Thanks for being a part of part two of the Tale of of Two interviews. Um, Tale of Two interviews. Yeah. See, I used your own, you know, no I am I am so sorry for forgetting last night. I I, I greatly apologize. I really try to be punctual and with and you know on schedule and with my shit. Yeah. But I've done this to you twice and it doesn't feel good. So I I apologize. Well, from your albums, I can tell your rhymes and your timing is on point. So I'm not going to debate. You That's nothing it. to apologize for. Thank you. Appreciate. It. Yeah, you like what I did there? That was good, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Nice. Very good. All right, thanks, guys. Awesome. Okay. See ya. Have a good night. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Genre Neutral, the only podcast that prospects the depths of sound and artistry for dope gems that inspire, connecting you with new cultures, fresh music, and the most hyphy perspectives on life. I'm your host, as always, Duckman. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Be sure to check out Genre Neutral on all social platforms.